0: Earthquakes, bombings, shootings, cancer, COVID, sickness, death, grief, pain, hurt, separation. Not a day passes where suffering is not part of our lives, our nation, and our world. People suffer. Children suffer. So much so, the question is often asked, what have we done to deserve this? How bad have I failed you, God, that this should come upon me. I go to church. I read my Bible. I try not to swear or curse too much. I try to keep my eyes from sinning, my lips from gossiping, and my time on social media at work to not be too much to where I actually don't think I'm stealing. Why, God? What have I done What have we done to deserve this? Today as we wrap up this teaching series, Epic Fails, we finish with another J. We've had Jacob and Jonah, and yes, today we finish with Job, who might echo those thoughts. Job, who Scripture says was a blameless and upright man, who feared God and turned away from evil. But friends, all that simply means is he is a person who who walked closely with God and delighted in obeying God's law. That also meant that he feared, he respected God, trying his best to avoid any appearance of evil. And not trusting in any other God. That's what it means. Never does it say that he did not sin Never does it say that just because he tried his best to not fail and to fall into evil and always cried out to God, never did it say that he would be spared. Before we get there, let's learn or let's refresh ourselves a little bit on what we do know about Job. You might say that Job had it all. Had it all. God had blessed him beyond belief with, with a wonderful family and life and, and money and, and possessions and animals and then more of these things. And still every day, you know what he did? He repented. He knew that either he or his family, were, were, they were not perfect throughout the day. And so he sought God's forgiveness. And yet what happened to Job? Trouble still came. Even though Job had visibly done nothing wrong, trouble still came. Same holds true for you and me sometimes, right? Just because we we don't sometimes do anything visibly wrong, or just because we don't do what those people out there do, Does that mean that trouble won't come into our lives? No. Not all our trials spring from our personal wrongdoings. Sometimes, even though we don't understand it, God uses trials in our lives for our good. And his good. I mean, look at the book of Job. God allowed Satan to test him. God allowed Satan to test Job. When you start digging in, we're not going to go through all 42 chapters today like we did four of Jonah. But when you really start digging in there, you start off by seeing this conversation between Satan and the Lord. Satan's pretty confident in himself that that he is going to get Job to curse God. But God says, "No, I don't think so." He says, "He says, no, 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 wait! You're not gonna do that because Job is blameless. He's upright, and and he could take, and you could take away all that he has. Everything, and he will still not curse me." And Satan's like, "Well, give me the chance," and the Lord does. So off Satan goes with permission from God to take everything from Job. Everything except his life. And he does exactly that. Job suffers. He suffers a lot. His possessions gone. His children deceased. His body stricken with painful sores. The blessings of God, all given by God to him, all taken away in an instant. Our human initial thought is exactly what Satan wanted. Job would have the right to curse God. How could he do that? How epically has Job failed to deserve any of this suffering? People suffer. Children suffer. Job suffered. Over the course of the next 30 chapters or so, Job rides this roller coaster of emotions. At one point, he does not sin with his lips. And then at the very next, in that moment, he curses the day of his birth. He has friends. He has friends who hear what, what he's gone through and what's happened to him. And, and they come and they, they join him in his grief. And, and these friends are, are great. They try to fix things. For Job. They they try to fix things for Job by kindly pointing out where he has epically failed. Eliphaz, okay? Eliphaz told Job he was suffering because he was getting what he deserved. Innocent and upright people do not suffer. Job. But those wicked ones, they have trouble. So you're just, you're just getting what you deserve. That's what it is. And then you have Bildad. Bildad blames Job's suffering on his children. Those darn kids of yours, they must have done something so wrong. They got what they deserve for their sins. And you're getting what you deserve. You were their father. If you would have done better. If you would have done more. So you best straighten up. Well, you're in the same way as them. And another friend, Zophar, he just chimes in and he just plainly tells Job, You're guilty, and you're actually suffering less than you deserve. These friends all assume the same thing. We know what happens when you assume. They all believe that a relationship between God and the people is based on human effort and achievement. They believe that God is good, but that he does not accept sinners. No, they believe that God punishes sinners. They place blame on Job for things he has no control over, like the way his adult children act and behave. they blame Job and just tell him that he should have been a better person. And and Job doesn't know what to think. He trusts and he believes in a God of of love, but he, he feels like that's not what he always gets. He feels like he doesn't deserve what he is getting. He still holds out Faith, though, he he still hopes in a mediator, a, a man not like him, but someone who will stand between him and God. He believes in a redeemer who will stand upon the earth for him. Even though he may suffer immense pain, even though he may die, He proclaims a faith that says, no matter what happens to me, that he will see God with his own eyes. Fourth friend shows up Elihu. Who? Elihu, we find him in chapter 32. This is the youngest friend of Job. You see, back in in the day and and back in, in, in other cultures, if you were young, you did not speak until all the elders had spoken. So Elihu waited his turn. And he had something completely different to say than all those other friends. You see, Elihu believed that salvation Not punishment is God's ultimate purpose in allowing suffering. Say that again. Elihu believed that salvation, not punishment, is God's ultimate purpose in allowing suffering. He is teaching Job that it is not for punishment, but for deliverance that he's going through these things, saying, allowing your affliction, allow your affliction, allow your pain, allow your suffering to open your ears to learn of the Lord's purposes. To see that he is constantly calling us back to him and to his love. Now this teaching is totally contrary to what anything else those other friends said. God does not repay for what one has done. God is not out to get anyone. That's what he's saying here, friends. God does not repay for what one has done. God is not out to get anyone. God redeems. God rescues. God loves. And after Elihu speaks here to Job, he finally gets what he's been waiting for. He gets an answer. Job gets an answer from God. Chapters 38 to 41. God speaks directly to Job. In grace, in undeserved love, the Lord came to Job to convict him of his rebellion and his lack of trust. And he did this by starting to fix Job's perspective. You see, what God did is God unfolded the created universe before Job. And as God is doing this, he's turning Job's eyes from inwardly focused to outwardly and upward towards God. And throughout this entire conversation, friends, with God, not once are people mentioned. Not once are people mentioned. God reminds Job of where the focus is to be. That God, the Lord, is the center of the universe. He is the central focus of all things. And we see God's response is not exactly what Job was expecting because God did not answer his questions of why God is there suffering. He did not answer the question of why the pain? Why am I going through this or why are they going through this? Instead, God answered with his own questions Were you there? God never reveals the reasons behind Job's suffering. Never. But Job does respond, and his response is one of humility, and one of confession. And invite you into that last part of Job, Job chapter forty-two. Lily read this for us just a few moments ago. Job forty-two verses one through six. And what you have here is, is Job's response, which represents all of humanity's failure, past, present, and future. You okay? have all of humanity's failure to, to you have, it represents all of humanity's failure in trying to avoid the wages of sin. Okay? So we start off here with Job 42, verses 1 and 2. It says this. Job answered the Lord and said, I know that you can do all things, and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Job is saying, God, you are God. You are the all-powerful, all-knowing God, and you can do all things. And no purpose of yours can be stopped. Ever. No purpose of yours can be stopped. Because you are God. And now, these next verses, you see that Job admits that he questioned the Lord out of his ignorance. He thought God was unfair according to human standards. Yet in fact, the Lord was always acting according to his will, to his mysterious purposes. And so now Job speaks. But this time he speaks from the heart. Look at verse 3. You asked, Who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorance? It is I, and I was talking about things I knew nothing about, things too far wonderful for me. Job admits he was wrong. Anybody done that lately? His comments that he made had no legs to stand on. Were you there when I created the earth? Were you there, Job? He's in the wrong. He's sorry. He's sorry for trying to play God. And then you have these last few verses here, four through six. And, in the, and the first time I read these, it really just jumped off the page at me um, in, in a new way, kind of excited me. Uh, look at what this says. It says, verse, starting there with verse four. You said to me, listen and I will speak. I have some questions for you and you must answer them. And then Job responded with, I had only heard you before, but now I have seen you with my own eyes. I take back everything I said, and I sit in dust and ashes to sow my repentance. Here, at this moment, Job finally understands God. Truly, for who he is, for the very first time. You see, up until this point, it's only been head knowledge. It's only been theological training. It was only the Bible teaching that others told him about. But here, now, after seeing all this, after God responded to him, he now meets God. And meeting God is quite different from studying God. He finally sees God in his love and his mercy and his grace amidst everything he's gone through. And he repents. He doesn't just say, I'm sorry. my kids do? I'm sorry. But he truly repents. And here's the thing about true repentance. True repentance is never solely a human act. True repentance is never solely a human act, but something that happens to the individual when confronted by God, a change in the heart occurs. And you can't do this by yourself, right? This change is worked by the Spirit, by the Holy Spirit, and through the Word. And this is what affects Job's attitude and now his life. And he sees God for who he truly is. God never reveals the reason behind Job's suffering. Instead, God reveals himself through his suffering. He reveals his love, his mercy, his forgiveness, his grace. And for Job, it is enough. It's enough. Even though Satan has seemed to romp through Job's entire life with evil ways and done so many evil things, the Lord was still there, still holding on to Job. Through it all, Job saw God's majesty and goodness now in a fuller way. He was steadfast in his faith. And throughout this story, throughout his story, We learn over and over and over again that the Lord is compassionate and he's merciful as he carries out his purposes. So what about us? That's Job. Well, like Job, we try to fix things. Our friends try to help out. But sooner or later, we all end up frustrated by failure and surrounded by brokenness and hurt that we cannot fix. We cannot rely on reason. We can't believe that, we can't believe that the, the lie out there that our suffering is punishment for, for our wrongdoings. And and friends, while God never reveals the reason behind our suffering, because He won't, while God never reveals the reasons behind our suffering, our pain, or our loss, He reveals to us every single day our hope. We're just a few days away now from Ash Wednesday. Where we as Christians, as believers in Jesus, begin this this Lenten season preparing for God's ultimate rescue plan to reach its pinnacle His love, His mercy, His grace, His forgiveness. We see God's face here nailed to a tree and laid in a tomb. To be broken of three days later. Where he frees us from suffering, all suffering, from the pain and the hurt and the failures of this world, so we don't have to endure them forever. There lies our answer. There is where we see Jesus, our only hope, our only strength, our only answer for everything we're enduring. For friends, as long as we are in this sinful world, as long as we live in this sin-filled world, we will struggle. We will hurt. We will suffer. But through it all, like Job, we can take heart and hold on to the truth that the Lord is ever serving us. The Lord is ever granting us repentance. And that we, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we can be repented and restored. We just got to get like a little bit more like Job to have our eyes opened once again. Our hearts truly opened to see what God has done and how we've been restored in full. We've got to go from the manger to the cross to the empty tomb to see that there our Redeemer connects us once again to God. There our sins have been forgiven. And there, again, for the sake of Christ, he's rescued us from suffering and given us new life. Through Jesus, you could taste and see that the Lord is good. Through Jesus, we can hear God speak to our troubled hearts and minds. Yes, here on earth you will have many failures. Yes, here on earth you will have trials and sorrows and suffering. But take heart. Jesus says, take heart because I have overcome From God, through Jesus, right to you today, and through you later today, and this week, and this year, you could say with Jacob, and Jonah, and Job, amidst all the epic fails of this life, I know that my Redeemer lives, and in the last, he will stand upon the earth. And after my skin has been thus destroyed, yet in my flesh I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself, and my eyes shall behold him and not another. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.